And uh, so John chapter six, and I'm gonna start in verse uh, 53. John chapter six, this is a massive story. Jesus is doing a lot of teaching here. But he comes to the end of the story where he's telling the people that are following him that he's the bread of life and that you must eat from him. And he gets here in verse 53, Jesus says to them something very controversial. He says, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the Father has sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And on hearing this, many of his disciples, listen to this, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? These are people who are following him. But they said, this is too hard for us. We can't accept it. And aware that his disciples were grumbling or complaining about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? He says, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit. In other words, Jesus said, I'm not literally asking you to eat me and drink me. I'm, I'm speaking a spiritual truth to you. They are spirit in their life. Yet some of you who do not, yet there are some of you who do not believe. Watch this. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. Look at this. You can be a disciple and not believe. I always assumed that you had to be a believer to be a disciple, but the truth is you can follow Jesus and not believe in Jesus. You can come to church and not have a relationship with God. You can watch online and not know him at all. So he says, oh, wow, this is why I told you. No one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. You need to be very careful that you didn't come to your faith because of a Christian personality, but you came because the Father enabled you. <laughs> this is why I told you no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. You need to make sure that you didn't come to me because you liked the miracle I did in the verses before. Jesus tells them earlier, he said, the only reason you're following me is not because you believe me, it's because I fed you bread. And isn't it an amazing thing that people can really follow Jesus closely as long as he's feeding them what they want him to feed them? Ah, it's only five minutes in and I'm really already preaching. So the Bible says, watch this, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And he turned to his disciples that were left and he said, do you want to leave too? Jesus asked this of the 12. Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? <laughs> you have the words of eternal life. I don't understand what you're saying either, but I know you have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the 12? Yet one of you is a devil. Isn't that a wild thing that Jesus chooses devils? 
Bible says he meant Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, who though was one of the 12, was later to betray him. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, help us to have a faith that is unoffended. We thank you today that you have come by your Holy Spirit to challenge us. You love us just the way we are. You love us so much that you refuse to let us stay the way we are. Help us to see you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in the room said, amen. Are you offended? Jesus said, does this offend you? Wow. This place of offense with God is where people either walk away. Sometimes they create their own Christ. It's what we have a lot of across the world today is is people who, because they don't like some of the sayings of Jesus, they've created their own Christ. We've taken the one who made us and created us, and we formed and fashioned him into something that looks like us, talks like us, acts like us, and thinks like us. Someone said, God made us in his image, but unfortunately, we returned the favor. (laughs) There is a... There is a belief that is really hurting our belief. The belief that we must understand God to follow God is affecting our endurance. And I would say if you haven't been offended by God or you haven't misunderstood God, you've probably not been walking (laughs) with God. (laughs) Can somebody in the room say yes? (laughs) Yeah. The Bible says these people are offended and they start to grumble among themselves. They start to complain among themselves. Rather than seeking clarity, they start to talk to each other. Rather than going to Jesus and saying, help me understand Before I make a decision that affects the rest of my life, help me understand what you're saying so that I can continue to follow you. So instead of seeking clarity from Jesus, they start to grumble and complain to each other. But the Bible really teaches us something that's very real, but I don't know if we want to really pay attention to it. The Bible teaches us that whoever survives being offended at God is assigned to Jesus. Jesus says, no one can come unless my father has enabled them. Can I tell you something that you need to get through your head today and I need to learn on a weekly basis myself? You did not pick him. He picked you. Because if I can pick him, my emotions will allow me to unpick him. 
But my confidence isn't in the fact that I chose him because I'm so great and I'm so smart and I'm so wise. My confidence is in the fact, come on, somebody, that he chose me. He looked at his disciples and said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I chose you. Wow. We get to the end of this story and Jesus is asking the 12, hey, You've just seen all of these people walk away. Are you going to walk away too? Peter says, where else are we going to go? To have a faith that endures is to have a faith that doesn't have options. I'm not on a trial run with God. This isn't like downloading an app on my phone. I'm not on a seven-day free trial. And if I don't like how it goes after the seven days, I can cancel my subscription. I'm not trying God out. I'm all in on God. Is there anybody with me in the room who said, I'm not, this is not a trial period. I'm not testing God out. I've made up my mind. I'm going to serve Jesus. Let me give you just a couple of thoughts from this story that I think are going to help us today. First of all, the one thing I notice in this story and the one thing I notice about people who walk away from Jesus is, is this. And we live in a culture right now that's deconstructing their faith and walking away from the faith and, and leaving the church in droves. There's a lot of things happening in the church. A lot of church hurt and pain and abuse in the church is coming to light and people are walking away because of those things. A lot of heroes people looked up to that were preachers and they've fallen and because of that people are walking away and there's a frustration and there's, there's, there's an undertow in the church in the world today that just it seems like there, there is a, there's a walking away. There's, 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 there's not this consistency there's not a faith that lasts. There's not, there's not a faith that stands the test of time and very many people. But I feel like I'm in a room full of some people today who have seen a lot of stuff. They've seen a lot come, a lot of people go. They've seen a lot of people rise, a lot of people fall. They've seen kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. They've seen their health come, their health go. They've seen marriages come and marriages go. They've seen friends come and friends go. But they have made up their mind that I will not allow the circumstances of my life to tell me who God is, but I will look to his word and his word will define for me for all time who he really is. Amen. But I find this consistent theme in people that walk away is that people that walk away assume their interpretation of God is accurate. (laughs) They assume that the way they interpret God to be is who he is. In Matthew chapter 11, there's a really interesting story. John the Baptist, who at one time in his ministry, things are going well. He's baptizing people. His ministry has been growing. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene and he recognizes Jesus' ministry. As a matter of fact, he turns to his disciples who are following him and says, hey, you really need to be following him because I baptize you in water, but he's going to be baptizing you in the Holy Ghost and in fire. That's the one who comes after me. He's mightier than I. But John the Baptist, a few years later, finds himself in a prison. And the Bible says that while he's in this prison, He sends messengers to Jesus to say, are you the one? 
hold up, John the Baptist, you just literally, at one point in your ministry, you stopped, looked at Jesus and said, he's the one. And now all of a sudden, John the Baptist, because you're in a prison, you're wondering if he's the one. Have you ever found yourself in the same condition? Oh man, when the tax return comes, he's the one. But when you owe taxes, it's Jesus who he said he was. When you got the job, Jesus is the one. When you lost the job, is Jesus the one? Does he even care? Is he even aware? I think sometimes it's our, misun- it's our misunderstanding and our misinterpretation of Jesus that really affects us when we are going through prisons in life. John goes, uh, are you really the one or should we look for somebody else? And Jesus sends a message back to John. And the reason John is asking this is because Jesus declared about his ministry that he was anointed to set the captives free. And John's sitting in prison wondering, what's this anointing to set the captives free for? If you can't even set your own cousin free, so are you the one? Jesus says, hey, tell John, everything I said I'm anointed to do, I'm doing it. Tell him the blind see, the deaf hear. And he says, and tell him this because he misunderstood what it meant to set captives free. I never told you I was going to get you out of prison. He said, tell him that the gospel is preached to the poor. Jesus never intended to come and walk through physical prisons and kick the doors open and let prisoners out. Jesus said, you misunderstood, John. The prisoners are being set free, but not like you thought. And then he says to him, make sure you tell John, the messenger goes, and blessed is he who is not offended in me. Don't allow your misinterpretation of me to cause you to live in in an offense with me so that you don't have a faith that can endure the prison. I'm a prisoner, John says. He's supposed to set the prisoners free. Jesus turns to the disciples and says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. What is he? All of a sudden, did, this, did the Bible just turn into twilight? What are we talking about Jesus? Like, are you Jesus or Edward? Like, I just need to understand, like, what's happening, Jesus? And I'm telling you, most of our life is spent in this place of, like, what are you talking about? God, does anybody in the room just want to be a little bit honest? And right now you're just like looking at what's happening in your life and in the world. And you're like, God, I mean, this is a hard day. Jesus is like, I'm looking for people who can take things that other people would be offended at and walk away. I'm looking for people who stay. And those are the ones who the father enabled to come to me. 
Isn't it an amazing thing that as Jesus gets closer and closer to the ultimate purpose that he was sent to accomplish, as he gets closer to the cross, the crowds get smaller and smaller and smaller. Never confuse crowds for the presence of God. Don't get it twisted. Don't think that just because this parking lot is full and people are in these seats that God is pleased because that stuff doesn't matter to God. That stuff doesn't matter to God because I would rather preach this church empty with the truth than coddle you and tickle your ears so you keep staying. And I've been... I've been preaching here long enough to know that if you're here, you're here because you've been offended and you stayed. I'm, I'm self-aware enough to know that I am an offensive person. I mean, even my face offends people. The, I, I, can't, I, can't, I don't even have to open my mouth. And some people are just like, you have a face that I want to punch. So... So I know and I understand that if you're here, it's because you have passed offense and you have said, God, you're doing something here that's beyond Robbie, that's bigger than that guy that stands up there every week, that's bigger than the screens, that's bigger than the sound, that's bigger than the haze machine, that's bigger than the parking lot, that's bigger than the crowd in the room. Jesus, I want to be a part of that. That's what I want. (laughs) Oh man, in Mark, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus again has fed people. Just like this story in John chapter 6 and Mark chapter 8, Jesus has fed 4,000 people. And the disciples, they, they gather all this bread after he performs this miracle. And then around verse 17, 16, 17, they get into this boat and they start talking to each other like, hey, we probably should have brought some of that bread with us. And they're, they're worried because they only have one loaf of bread. And Jesus asked them this question. He says, why do you reason that you have no bread? Why do you reason that you have no bread? And I think this is the foundation for offense. The foundation for offense is when our thought process begins with what we don't have. heard someone say years ago, they said, the reason it's so hard for you to stay full of joy is because it's so easy for you to be offended. And offense begins with what I don't have. It's a focus on what is missing instead of what is left. Jesus is like, did I not just take one? Are you so ignorant that we just left a miracle where I took seven loaves of bread and fed 4,000 people. Do you not think I can take this one loaf of bread and feed you? Why do you always start with what you don't have? Why does your imagination begin with lack? Why hasn't my faithfulness impacted your Faith. Why? In other words, why hasn't the revelation of my character affected the starting position of your thoughts? Something so revealing, the psalmist said in Psalm 103 and 7, it says he revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. 
This is a massive difference. You have to see this because the people of Israel are always grumbling and complaining. Moses was always in fellowship with God. So the one who is in fellowship, God is revealing to him his character. But the one who's complaining, God keeps revealing himself to him and them in his deeds. You have to get to the point where you're like, God, I don't want to have a relationship with you based on the things you've done for me. I want to have a relationship based on who you say you are, who you've revealed yourself to be to me through your character. Wow. It's one thing to be offended, to not understand everybody finds themselves in that type of experience with God. Why in the world are you asking this? Why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? It's one thing to be offended when you don't understand. It's one thing to misunderstand what you heard. It's a completely different thing to walk away. Because sometimes our reaction hurts more than the thing we are reacting to. Come on, married people, tell me that ain't true. <laughs> tell, tell me your reaction to what happened didn't make the situation a whole lot worse than the situation actually was. And the thing you were trying to protect yourself from was not as scary as the thing you did trying to protect yourself from the thing you were arguing about. Job chapter 2 verse 9. Job's story is a very deep theological study into the character and nature of God. But in Job chapter 2, after Job has been suffering the loss of many things, him and his wife, his wife comes to him in Job chapter 2, verse 9, and she says something to him that's so revealing of how we interact with God. She says, are you still maintaining your integrity? After all that you've been through, after all that's happened to you, are you still maintaining your integrity? In other words, if, if, if acting right didn't get you the right results, then why are you still acting right? And I've, 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 I've had to have this same conversation with my kids. My son, the other day, he found after school, he finds, this, Oliver, I'm going to tell a story on you and get used to it. It's going to be the next 20 years of your life. Um, the other day, he's walking out of school and on the sidewalk, he finds a $10 bill and he gets in my car and he's like, dad, look what I found. Finders keepers. I'm like, I'm like, buddy, no, listen, um, what we'll do is tomorrow morning, you'll take that into the office because that could be somebody's lunch money or something somebody's been saving and, and all of that. He goes, he goes, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do the right thing. 
And he goes, well, are you going to give me $10? (laughs) Right? Isn't that how we, this isn't, (laughs) this isn't something we learn when we get old. This is just how we interact. If I'm going to do the right thing, then what are you going to do? Cause I did the right thing. I said, I said, I said, son, you, you know, God will bless you. And it always doesn't, it always doesn't come back like money. And, and, and so the next day he takes, he takes the money back and uh, he gets in the car and he's all disappointed. And I'm like, what, what, what happened? He's like, they gave me a Raptor card. I guess it's like some like little thing that's redeemable for some cheesy little item. So we're trained that, 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 the, that the outcome of doing right isn't better than doing right. So at some point, we have to make a decision. I don't do right because of the outcome. I do what's right because doing what's right is the reward. <laughs> I don't do what's right because I think a windfall of blessing is coming my way. I do what's right because doing what's right is what is right. Hmm. She's like, there's no reason to live right anymore. Look at what happened to you. And if your faith can test that challenge, you have enduring faith. If you can look back and say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. That's bad theology, Job. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Curse God and die. Stop living right. What are you, what are you still giving for? What are you still serving for? Why are you still, why are you still praying? That situation hasn't changed. Why are you still? Shouldn't you just stop doing that, curse God, and die? I'm not walking away because I don't understand. I'm not walking away because it looks like things in my life are falling apart. I'm not walking away because you think that this is an indicator that God isn't with me. Could you be wrong? Could your interpretation be wrong? And you have to be very careful that you don't allow other people to interpret what God is doing in your life. Christians are really bad at saying non-biblical things. There's no Bible that teaches us when we die, we go to heaven and become angels. But when people die, we'll look at them and say, God needed another angel. (laughs) What are you talking about? Isn't that wild? And it's, 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 it's those misinterpretations of God that start people like, well, you know, I was always told this about God, and this is my experience. You too? Yeah, God, God, God told me to do this, and it didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. 
and you too. And so isn't it an amazing thing how grumbling people find each other? <laughs> Job, Job, though, he said in Job 42, 1 through 6, because God started asking Job some questions. Job, Job is in, in the middle of going through what he's going through, and he asked God some questions. And, and the Bible says, and God turned around and started talking to Job. Job answered God, and he said, after God said, who do you think you are? For like two chapters, God is like, who do you think you are? He said, are you going to accuse me to make yourself feel better about you? That's God said to him. Job answered God, and he said, I'm convinced. This is a message translation of Job chapter 42, verses 1 through 6. Job answered God, said, I'm convinced. You can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. You asked, who is this muddying the water, ignorantly confusing the issue, second-guessing my purposes? I'll admit it. I was the one. I babbled on about things far beyond me, made small talk about wonders way over my head. You told me, listen and let me do the talking. Let me ask the questions and then you give the answers. I admit, I once lived by rumors of you. This is what Paul told Timothy. He said in the last day, people will be caught up in rumors. Things that people say about God that are not true about God. He said, I, was, I, I, I live my life based on, what's, this is what he says, now I have it all firsthand. From my own eyes and ears. People tell me not to say this all the time. You don't learn this in Bible school because it doesn't keep people coming back to your church. But can I tell you, if your relationship with God is only as strong as me, you have a terrible relationship with God. You must have a first hand from your own eyes and ears relationship with God. That's the only relationship that will sustain you. You, 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 cannot, you cannot build your relationship, God, based on a preacher. You cannot build your relationship with God based on someone you saw on TV, Christian television who just wowed you and amazed you. And, and I'm thankful that you, you hear me and I'm thankful that, that, that I can pastor you and lead you and shepherd you and teach you God's word, but don't you take my word as firsthand. Do, do what the Bereans were encouraged for doing. The, the apostle said, they, they took every word I said and they went home and they studied it to make sure that it was who God really was. Thanks, Robbie, for showing me something maybe I didn't see before or teaching me something I needed to understand, but I'm gonna take all that information you just gave me, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna open God's word for myself and I'm gonna get firsthand from my eyes, from my ears to my heart, my life, my family, what God is saying. Whew. He said, he said, I've learned firsthand. I'm sorry, he said, forgive me. I'll never do that again, I promise. He said, I'll never live on the crust of hearsay. 
He said, I'll never live my Christianity, my life with you, my walk with you based on what somebody else said about you. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It will not impact you until you know it for yourself. You won't have a faith that endures if it's mama's faith and daddy's faith and your uncle's faith and your aunt's faith. The only way you have a faith that endures is if it's a firsthand, I have tasted and I have seen that the Lord, he, he's good. He said, I'll never live again on the crust of hearsay, the crumbs of rumor. Watch this. The Bible says many left. Many left. Many left. How many? I don't know. Twelve stayed. Luke talks about how he anointed 72 people. To go out could have been 60. I don't know how many, but it was many. The Bible says many left. And look how when you leave as many, what do you do? You leave as a group. Just because some people follow you doesn't make you right. They felt good about doing the wrong thing because many did it. And we live in a day where so many people feel good about the wrong thing because many are doing it. And social media will make you think many more are doing it than are actually doing it. TV will make you think Because whatever they're trying to promote, whatever they're trying to get many to walk away from Jesus for, they'll promote it as if it's a part of everyday life and make you think, oh man, it's everywhere, everybody's doing it. Many are. Many are doing it. Man, disgruntled people, aren't they? They're always looking for disgruntled people. Someone... Someone asked me one time, they said, how do, you, how do you have such unity in such a diverse church? It's funny because it was coming from a person who was leading a church that everybody looked the same, but they had they all dressed the same. They all looked like they literally went to the same store and came out of the same store with the same outfits. It, it was creepy. <laughs> and I said... I said, uh, you know, unity is, first of all, it's not uniformity. But but I, but I I think grumbling comes from demanding as a human being that leads people that everybody sees it your way and not admitting that even though you are the leader, your interpretation could be flawed. Can I tell you there are times in my life where I've been going through difficult things and I've had to really guard my heart not to preach from my hurt. I've preached from my hurt. I've preached from my disappointment. I'm a human being. 
I can't help it. I'm not God. That's why you cannot, you, you, you might not understand what season, maybe not even know if you're not close to me, what season I am in in life. And I might be struggling with something behind the scenes with my family, with my own kids in my own life, in my own health that I don't reveal to you. And because of that, it might mess with sometimes the way I interpret scripture. So I, you cannot see me as God. And I said, the reason I don't think people grumble very much in our church and there's a lot of unity in our church is because I don't present myself to be God. So people get mad at me, it's not because I told him I was God. So if they're mad at me, they're really not mad at me. They're mad at him because I told them he was God. Go to him. You don't like my preaching? Go to God. You don't like what I said? Go to God. <laughs> you don't like what's happening in your life? Don't complain to me. Go to God. I can't fix it. I'm not telling you this morning that pastors aren't important, that you don't need a pastor and you don't need a shepherd, someone to teach you the word. I'm not telling you that, but, and we have given up so much control of our lives to personalities and people and we have idolized people to we're, we're willing to, to lose relationships. I mean, some of y'all lost relationships over, over the 45th president of the United States and he don't give a rip who you are, but you don't have your friend anymore, but you defended him to your death. What, what are we doing? He's not God. I'm not God. You're not God. Let's turn the attention of the culture, not back to a party in Washington. Let's turn the attention of the culture back to the God who put breath in their body. Who am I? Who are you? Who is he? What is man that God even thinks about us? Let's turn our attention back to, to God. There's going to be enough in your life. There's going to be enough times in your life you don't understand God for it to take the rest of your life. You don't need to turn people into God and misunderstand them for the rest of your life too. Let's put people back in their proper perspective and let's not leave God because many are walking away. And I love Jesus. The Bible doesn't say, and Jesus ran after him and said, hey, 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 guys, I was just kidding about that whole eat my flesh thing. Yo, yo, it was just a joke. Wasn't really serious about that. You notice that Jesus doesn't change what he said because people walk away. You can't, you can't be so weak in your faith that you keep changing. Well, you know, I saw this thing the other day and this person I really look up to and I watch him every night on TV and are we, we are not going to have a faith that endures if what we think about the world and how we see the world is determined by who talks to us at 9pm on our favorite news channel We cannot, what you see now 
is a world grumbling instead of a world going to Jesus and saying, help me understand. Help me see. I know your ways are higher than my ways, but the New Testament teaches me that I can have the mind of Christ. Show me what you mean. And, and he, he tries to, right? He says, he says, the words that I speak to you, they're spiritual in nature. The Bible teaches us that the carnal mind cannot understand the things of the spirit. And maybe one of the reasons we are so confused sometimes in our relationship with God is because we're trying to understand God through culture or we're trying to understand God through our denomination or we're trying to understand God through our our political party when God cannot be understood through a denomination, God cannot be understood through a political party, God cannot be, you must go to God firsthand, encounter Jesus for yourself, see him for who he really is and know who he's made you to be. That's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is, is not listen to more of my preaching and your life will be better. No, if you listen to my preaching, understand that my preaching is turning you to him. You want Jesus. That's who you want. That's who you want. That's who you want. That's who you were created for. No wonder you get so disappointed in political figures, public figures, pastors and preachers and leaders in the world because they weren't created to meet that need. He's who you're looking for. And until he fully satisfies that need, you'll never be able to put the people in your life in their proper place. There's a place for a pastor, but it's not on a pedestal. There's a place for your spouse and she's not God. There, there is a place for your children, but not the same place that the Holy Spirit's supposed to occupy. And when you put God in his proper place in your life and you shut out the noise from the world, I know people are walking away. I know people are misunderstanding Jesus. I know people are seeing what happened in this church and what happened over here and they're frustrated and they're walking away. But listen, I'm not gonna walk away because of their grumbling. I'm not gonna walk away because of their complaining. I'm not gonna walk away because some man misinterpreted God. I'm gonna go to Jesus. Peter said, Jesus, you alone, where else are we gonna go? I wasn't paying attention to the people that walked away anyway. I didn't show up for them. I didn't start following you because John was here. I didn't start following you because I didn't start following you because these guys are following. I'm following you because you alone have the words of eternal life. And if everybody else walks away, I have nowhere else to go. And watch this. And even though Peter did at one point walk away, his faith was so strong that even though he tried to escape, he couldn't. He walked right back. (laughs) 
I'm telling you right now, don't give up on people who feel it seems like they've walked away. You keep praying because I'm telling you in some of those people is a, is, a, is, is, is a faith that's not there because they deposited it there. It's a faith that was enabled because God enabled it. And if God enabled it, they can't walk away from it. If God started it, they can't walk away from it. If God called them by name, they cannot walk away from it. If God opened up his mouth and said, you belong to me, if God chose them, there's nothing that the enemy can do. There's nothing that you can do. And there's nothing that they can do. They are called and they are chosen and they are picked by God. Is there anybody in the room today who wants to stand on your feet and say, God, thank you for choosing me. I've, I've, maybe, maybe some of you in the room, you've walked away at times. You kept coming back because you didn't choose him. He chose you. And so today, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that even though there are going to be things that arise, moments in our life where you turn and you say difficult things to us and you ask difficult things from us and you allow difficult things to happen in our lives, help us to have a faith that endures, that's not offended at you and in you, but can survive being offended can survive not always understanding as these days we live in get darker and the hearts of men wax colder and colder and as good is being called evil and evil is being called good Help us to have a faith that endures, a faith that says I'm not, no matter who walks away, no matter how many walk away, I will not walk away. And we thank you, God, for faith that endures. In Jesus' name we pray. If you're in the room today, if you would just bow your heads with me today, if there's anyone in this room today who says, Rob, I need to put my faith and confidence, trust and hope in Jesus. I'm very aware of where I fall short. I'm, I'm even convicted of where I've been maybe missing the mark where there's sin or failure in my life. I'm very aware of those things. God's really and showing me those things. And let me tell you, when God shows you those things, he's not showing you those things to shame you. He's showing those things to draw you to the only one who can free you from the guilt and the shame of those things. So today, if that's you, you say, Rob, I need to turn my life over to Jesus. If you're here and it's the first time you've ever done this, or you're here and you felt disconnected from God, you've been doing your own thing, going your own way, and you wanna, you wanna begin that journey home today. I'm telling you, once you turn around, you're going to find out he never left you. He never forsook you. He's always been there. So if there's anybody in this room today who would say, Rob, I want to put my faith, my belief in Jesus today. I'm going to count the three. And when I do, would you throw your hand up in the air? We want to pray with you. One, two, three, throw that hand up in the air. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. I see you back there. A couple hands here. I see you. Awesome. Back there in the back. Awesome. Come on, church family. Let's pray this together with those that lifted their hand. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me. I give you my life. Take it all. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sins. 
I confess you as Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. So awesome. Best decision of your life. I want to challenge you this week. Some things, sometimes following Jesus, believing in Jesus can be a difficult thing when you feel like you're doing everything that's right. But so much wrong is happening in your life. Don't listen to the words of the enemy that would come to you like Job's wife and say, are you still maintaining your righteousness? Are you still following God after all that you've been through, after all he could have come to that prison and got you out. Are you still going to preach about him? Are you still going to declare his name? Come on, anybody in the room want to throw your hand up in the air today and say, no matter what comes this week, no matter what comes in my life, Jesus is worth it. Is worth it. And and even and it and and to if there's any Christians in the room today, you know that he's already set you free. If you if you've been set free from your sin, you've been set free from the greatest calamity your life has ever seen. And you might be going through something difficult right now, but it's not greater than the sin that would have sent you to eternal separation from God. And so you ought to give God some praise right now. I'm going to give you some praise because you have saved my soul. And you might not be doing things the way I want you to, but your ways are higher. Your thoughts are higher. And I trust you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Our prayer team is up front. If you made a decision today or you would love to talk to someone and get prayer, we'd love to meet you. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you soon. Have a great Sunday.